Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of Everyday Strong with Dr. Michael G. Daniels. Um, this is your host, C.B. Baker. We got a really good episode for you today. Um, the episode title today is Getting Unstuck, and Dr. Daniels is going to be bringing us a lot of different ideas and ways to be able to handle getting unstuck in, in a situation where you're trying everything you can, it just seems to be hitting a lot of obstacles. So welcome to the show, Dr. Daniels. Good day to, to you and everyone that's out there listening. And uh, as always, it's great to be able to uh, talk about those practical things uh, that tend to uh, keep people from moving forward in their life. So um, as we talked about you know, off air, and I've, I've noticed a lot of people that encounter me that like, you know, CB, I don't understand if if God has pushed me in a certain direction to do things in a certain way, but I keep hitting obstacles um, all the time. So is it really a sign that I should be not doing this this way? Or but I but I get this deep feeling that this is what it should be the right thing to do. Well, you know, I think that that oftentimes we assume that if it is God ordained, that it's going to be easy. And in fact, that's rarely the case. You know, in fact, I had a young lady that asked me the question um, one one evening. She said, how do you know if it's God speaking to you, if the Holy Spirit is leading you? And then someone, um, you know, trying to assist said, well, you know, it's the Holy Spirit if you get a sense of peace when, you know, when, when, when you're told to do something. And I said, well, if that was the case, that would mean that all the prophets in the Bible never heard God, <laughs> because if you, if you if you if you can think about um, how they reacted when God first asked them to do something, you know, you go back to Moses uh, when when God first uh, instructed him to to go to to Pharaoh, and Moses, you know, wait a minute, God, yeah, <laughs> I know you can't be talking to me because I don't have the skills to do it. And, and, and matter of fact, who do I tell them is sending me, you know? Right. So, so there was a concern. You think about Gideon when he told Gideon to go to war and Gideon says, wait a minute, I don't believe it. You can't be telling me to do it. You got to prove to me that you're talking to me. And, and so oftentimes what we find is that our assumption is that, well, if it's God telling me to do something, it's going to bring a great peace over me. No, that's not necessarily the case. So how then do I know is God breathed? Well, the question is, does it align itself with the scripture, with the overall plan of God? If it's aligned with the overall plan of God, then I can feel assured that that is God speaking to me and not me speaking to myself. Because oftentimes the trick of the devil is to tell you something that sounds good, that feels good. And so you have peace with that because it's what you want to do anyway. Right. And so your feeling is, oh, this going to work. This going to work. And then nothing seems to happen good. It's because it wasn't aligned with God. Right. So is it, is it like a, is it common theme throughout the Bible and throughout history in, in your life, you know, as a pastor and counseling people, is it a common theme that when, when something that they're being told to do something that they run across obstacles of the themselves, like getting out, you know, trying to get out of the way of themselves for us, thinking like, how am I supposed to be able to do that? I don't have the skills like what you said, Moses uh, encountered mentally. Well, you know, what, what I find is that 
There has been no task that I have been given by God that was easy, not one. However, what I have found is that if I followed the direction that he told me to go in, that no matter what the opposition was to that, if I stayed on task, it always happened. You know, it always happened. And, excuse me, so I think, you know, that's, that's a part of it. It, 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 it is not whether or not it's easy. It's not whether or not, you know, I wake up in the morning feeling joy about doing it. It's about, is this really lined up with the plan of God? And the plan of God for me and for those around me, I think is what you have to look at. Um, again, if you look at the apostles, if you look at the uh, patriarchs, the plan of God was always for the betterment of his people. Is, is how does this impact his people? How does this improve society? How does this improve uh, the world that we live in? And so if that's what I'm on task to do, then I know, okay, that's within God's will. And so it doesn't mean I won't get attacked by the enemy, but what it does mean if I stay the course, then I will be victorious. Now, for, for individuals that's out there that keep hitting obstacle after obstacle, and let's say quit, is there does God punish us for quitting, or does He give us like a, a mulligan and, and nudges us back? Okay, I, okay, I didn't mean to do that much to you. Come on back to and get back on track. Well, I think the punishment for quitting is failure. <laughs> I mean, you know, for example, uh, let's use just everyday stuff. Like, let's take your marriage for example. All right, let's say someone says God put us together, which is what I hear oftentimes. I prayed for this person. God put us together. That, that may be the case, but then through the course of the marriage, it, it you know it's not as smooth as you thought it ought to be, and so then the person decides to quit. Well, who did you fail? You failed yourself. So the the penalty, if you want to call it a penalty, is that your marriage failed. Right. Uh, where if it's really, uh, and I believe that God you know uh, does put people together, and we certainly know that. The institution of marriage is one that is pleasing to God. But we also know that there are always forces trying to come against our relationships. So our job is to continue to do what God has told us to do in those situations. And it may not be easy, but in the end, we will be victorious. Yeah, so so as a as a pastor, how do you how do you get across to people that you can be victorious where the person is staring at, you know, like a, a, a litany of obstacles ahead of them. And you're saying, hey, just stick it through. Like, what do you do as a pastor to be able to get to push them through that? Well, let's think about why people have a difficult time pushing through. Most of it is because they see the end and not the steps along the way, mm. you know. And so if what you're looking at is, you know, I got to climb this mountain uh, and, and Mount Everest is pretty high. So, you know, you feel like I can't do that. If you're looking at uh, I'm, I need to get a master's degree. Wow, that's six to eight years of college. I can't do that. And so that's what caused people to fail oftentimes and, and to give up and, and not push through because they keep looking at the end. Well, one thing the Bible teaches us, and um, I think uh, the fourth chapter of Colossians is a prime example well, Paul says that there are a couple of things to do. One, he says, you pray. He says, you watch. And he says, you give thanksgiving. 
Now, I'm praying, of course, because I want the strength. I, I want the fortitude to keep doing what I'm doing. But he also says to watch in that endeavor. So what I'm watching for is not the end. I'm watching and looking at all the steps that are required to get there. I'm looking at each step required to get there. And so I need to focus on the first step and not the last step. I focus on the first step. Uh, once I get that done, then I get a sense, oh, wait a minute. I am moving forward. Right. And then focus on the next step. I am moving forward. So let's say, for example, if it is climbing the mountain. Well, don't focus on getting to the top. Focus on getting to the bottom. <laughs> because if I make it to the bottom, at least I got to the mountain. Right. That's you right. <laughs> and then focus on taking that next step to get on the mountain. Yeah. And then you keep focusing on one step at a time. Now, each time you go to climb, it's going to be difficult. But each time you go past a certain point on the mountain, okay, I now get closer. You make a very good point. A lot of people look at the task and say, look at the top of the mountain. And they say, this is just too much. So they'll even go, even travel to the bottom of the mountain, they even start to climb. They just give up before they even start. Absolutely. And you have to, or you should, I would say, um, break whatever task it is into the small elements that are necessary to get it completed. And that way, so each sub-goal becomes that little thing that's required. And that little thing that's required will give you a sense of accomplishment and let you see that, hey, I was able to conquer that. And you may have some opposition along the way. For example, let's say, you, you know, you say, I need to get my bachelor's degree because, I, you know, my current job um, does not give me the resources to, to make it through. Mm -hmm. Well, what's the first step in getting a bachelor's degree? It's actually... Um, identifying what school you're going to go to. Right. <laughs> so, so the first step can be, you know, let me find a school I want to go to. You know, that could be the first step. Then once you find it, wow, I got success. I found a school. And even finding a school may not be easy because there's so many out there. You know, you know, you're looking at, well, the cost of them, you're looking at the distance, you're looking at, you know, the curriculums. But once you do all that stuff, you'll get excited just when you can say, hey, I found the right school for me. You know, and then what's the next step? Next step is to get the application, right. you know, for admission. If you if you break it down to those small steps, every time you do a small step, you have a success. Yeah. So how do what is how do we get the person to even just go to the mountain? They get the idea that I want to climb this mountain, but then a lot of times they either quit or let's take it for instance, somebody that dropped out of high school. Mm -hmm. So that you know they don't go get the GED, but then they say, well, do I really need to go do that? I got this trade job over here. I'm doing well for myself. Do I really need to get the GED, you know, blah, 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 mm -hmm. or they create a bunch of excuses. How do we get the person to say, okay, go to the mountain at the very least? Well, I think what you said uh, is, 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 is the key question, right? The person says, I'm doing well with what I have. And, and that's the issue, I think is that, are you doing well with what you have? Now, if you are, then why go? You know, right. and, I, and I give you another example. Um, uh, my father, uh, who's passed now, had a, a piece of land beside his home. And I said to him, Dad, you ought to buy that land. Because if you buy that land, now, um, later on, it'll be a good investment for your retirement. And he said, if it's such a good investment, why don't you buy it? And I said, well, because I'm doing other things for my retirement. He said, so am I, <laughs> you know? Right. And so he says, I have everything I need. My house is paid for, my car's paid for, my boat's paid for, and I got a good retirement system, you know, with the city. So when I quit working, 
I'm going to be taken care of. And so, and so, and, and in a sense, he was right. You know, he was right. So that that becomes the issue: is that you know, are they stuck because they feel comfortable where they are, and I just want them to move, mm-hmm. or are they stuck because they don't feel that they can succeed? So let's say the person doesn't feel like they can succeed, and that's what you have to identify: is why did they drop out of high school in the first place? See, that's the key thing. Why did they drop out? Did they drop out because the coursework was too hard? Did they drop out because peer pressure? Did they drop out, you know, because of their um, they 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 had the type of personality where they were being expelled a lot, uh, or did they drop out because they got a job? You know, those are the things. So the first thing for me is to identify why you didn't get something done in the first place, and once I identify why you didn't get it done. Now we can go and look at all those so same obstacles in your way now. Because mm-hmm. if you dropped out because you thought you didn't have the aptitude to finish, then the question is, do you have it now? You know, and, and I believe you do, but I have to be able to show you why the problem was not you. The problem was your instructor. The problem was how they did things. Uh, you know, and I'll give you another quick example. My stepbrother dropped out of high school uh, because he just didn't like the work. Now, he was a math genius. He was a math whiz, but failed math. <laughs> but the issue was how they taught him math. Right. You know, because uh, this was a guy uh, that could calculate the probability of the next card being the card he was drawing from the deck. Right. Because he and so he, but he didn't look at it as being statistics. Right. But that's what it was. Right. So. What do we do with, like, you know, you have your family member, your stepbrother, mm-hmm. and we see a family member or a daughter or a son is, that's teetering on that. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're thinking about, well, you know, they hear the college ain't for me, mm-hmm. or, you know, this school thing just ain't for me, but you, you're the parent, you know what's going on, or you're the brother, the sister, and say, hey, how do we talk to that person to get them to at least not move towards that or at least see the, op- the the options that they that will create for themselves if they was to get the degree or get more education. Well, you know, but what you said, I think, has validity in that a college isn't for everybody. Again, it is my father said. I think he's a pretty wise man. He wasn't very educated, uh, but he's a wise man. He said, somebody has to empty the trash. Somebody has to flip the hamburgers. Somebody got to make the beds at the hospital. Right. He said the question is not whether or not you uh, have a, a PhD or a college degree. Mm-hmm. He said what you have to ask yourself is, am I doing this job because I like it or am I doing this job because I have no other choice? Right. He says if you like the job, then do it. If you want to be the janitor and you like being the janitor, then be the janitor. Just be the best janitor that anyone could ever have. So I think that's what we have to identify. Is that person doing what they're doing because they like it? Or are they doing what they're doing because they have no other choice? See, if they like it, there's no need to try to convince them otherwise. You know, right. Why convince me to do something I like doing? If I like cutting grass, if I like being a gardener, then why, tra- why change it? It's an honorable thing to do. Now, will I be a millionaire? Maybe, because maybe not only will I cut one grass, but maybe I will get my own company one day right. where I'm cutting all the lawns, you know, in right. the neighborhood. 
like the gap in waste management. It started right, with right. One, one garbage truck. And, and, and now look at it. Right. You know, so so that's that's one thing. But if let's say I hate it, you know, let's say like myself who has gobs of allergies, right. you know, and I'm cutting grass and I just hate it, you know. So if I hate it, the question now is, why did I, ch- why did I stop, you know, pro- you know, going forward? Why? And so the thing to do is to remove those obstacles. So let's just say for sake of argument, I dropped out of school because my parents uh, needed me to work. They needed me to work. Mm-hmm. So I had to swap dropped out. So in order to remove that obstacle, I have to help the person see where now they can, in fact, go to school and still work. You know, because now we have online classes, we have those kinds of things. And I can show them that, in fact, a lot of your life experiences, you can get credit, college credit for. And, and, and a lot of times people don't understand that. And so they don't think that they can get out of school quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you show people things like that, then it kind of changes that, that dynamics. And I can tell you there are a lot of people at EDOC that have gone back to school, gotten GEDs, and gone to college. Because some of them didn't realize you don't have to have a high school diploma or a GED to get into college. If you are over the age of 18, you can go to a community college without having a high school diploma, as long as you apply. Right. And some of them have done that and now have associate's degrees. So do you think, um, do you think as a society that we, culturally, do we keep that information like that um, under wraps? Well, I won't say we keep it under wraps. But we're not promoting it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that we get busy. The reason why I say this is because Tyler Community College does advertise it. You know, they advertise it. And most community colleges advertise that way. Uh, But we just don't always pick up on it. You know, I think that's what it is. And I think that for most of us, as I said, our dreams, we keep focusing on the end. And, and not the process of getting there. You know, you go to the barbershop, for example, and people, you know, I hear people talk about, I want to own my own business, you know, young guys. I want to own my own business. Then you say, well, what kind of business? Mm-hmm. Well, I just want to own my own business. Okay, but what kind of business? Right. You know, so their thought process of being a businessman is just sitting behind a desk, you know, and telling other people what to do but they have no thought of what type of business they're talking about. For example, uh, if you own an engineering firm, you own your own business, but that requires an engineering degree. <laughs> right, that's right. If, if you own an accounting firm, you own your own business, but that requires an accounting degree. If you are practicing privately in medicine, you own your own business, but that requires a medical degree. Uh, but by the same token, you know, you can be a barber and own your own business, but it just requires a, a barber's license. That's right. You know? So the issue is what type of business do you want to own? Let's identify for that individual, you know, what are your interests? What do you like doing? What, do you, what is your skill set? And so now let me help you take your skill set and become independent. You know, you could be a car detailer and own your own business right. if, if that's what you're good at. And so let me show you now how to apply what you know Use basic business skills so you can own your own business, get your own business license. You know, uh, simple things like, for example, most young people don't know how easy it is to get 
uh, an uh, employee identification number from the IRS. You know, you, you and I know, right. but most of them don't know that, you know, that's one of the steps. You know, you got to get your EIN number. Take about 15 minutes. Right. right. You go online. <laughs> right. And, and you, you, you put the information in and it doesn't cost you one dime no. and it comes right back. But can you imagine how great it would make that person feel that, well, wait a minute. I now am a business owner. Right. And all I did was get my EIN number. But that's my start because they're thinking is, I got to get incorporated. I got to do this. I got to do that. And so then when it comes to that process and people tell them how difficult it is to incorporate, it, it kind of shuts them down because, wow, but you don't have to be incorporated to own your own business. Right. You know, in fact, um, most people don't realize it, but, you know, it doesn't necessarily help you if it's just you cutting grass. <laughs> Yeah, you know, right? Because how much damage are you gonna do anyway? Right. And if, and if I'm broke and you sue me, it doesn't matter anyway. Right. I still don't have anything. Right. But the law and more, and that's all you get. But you know, I find it's interesting how people. You'll see people talk about how difficult things is to do business. It's usually sometimes it's a business owner, but it's weird. It's like you had to do all this, and yeah, be careful with X, Y, and Z. And instead of encouraging the person, they go through the steps of discouraging the person. I, and I think a part of it is because it was difficult for them. And what made it difficult for them was they saw the end and not each individual step. So it, it, it is difficult, as, as you know, as a business owner, to have a thriving, successful business right. that doesn't fail in the first year. Right. That part may be difficult because you go through ups and downs, but starting a business is easy. And, and so if I'm telling a person about, well, the, the process of, of where my business is now, it may not have been easy. And that's what we tend to talk about. And yeah, man, it wasn't hard. I had ups and downs. I had this and times when I didn't know if I was going to make it, if I wouldn't pay my employees, da da da. da. But if I tell a person about the, the individual um, things that are required to start the business, you know, that I need to get a business license, I need to get my, you know, like I said, my employment number, I need to, you know, determine what is my market, you know, those kind of things. See, that's easy to do. Right. And if I break it down like that as an individual, I can get started within two or three days. Yeah. I remember one time um, and my wife was riding around in this particular neighborhood. I was like, you know what? They don't have a bar in mm -hmm. this in this area. Mm -hmm. And then I got the thing, and I remember this guy named John Taffer who does a show Bar Rescue. He's like, before you open a, a store or a bar up, you need to ask, why isn't there one here? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, because you ain't the only person that had that idea. Mm -hmm. And you might, it might have been three other people that had the idea that actually tried to open the bar and they got shut down for whatever reason. Maybe the market's not there. So when you're starting a business, you have to first, is there a need for that? And then what value are you going to be bringing? Well, you're right. You have to do some analysis. You know, you have to look at and say, you know, I mean, the basic things, as you know, uh, you know, uh, most people still use the SWOT analysis for, for looking at whether or not they're going to even take the endeavor uh, because you want to know what are my strengths and weaknesses? What are my opportunities? You know, you know what, what are those kind of things? What is my competition? You know, and, and, and what is my customer base, you know, for this area? And, and that's true for anything you do that some kind of analysis needs to be done, whether it's starting a business, whether it's getting married, whether it's going to college, you know, 
all those things that people have a hard time maybe taking a jump start doing, you know, and well, marriage usually don't take up a lot before we get married without thinking about it. <laughs> but right. but like going to school, you know, sometimes people get stuck and never, you know, take that next step. You know, starting a business, never take that next step. You know, buying a house, never take that next step. They, they get stuck somewhere. It, it, it's that usually it is easier than you anticipated. It's yeah. just that people keep looking at the end game and not the incremental things required to get them there. So do you think uh, also, do you think it's a, that little voice in the head that's telling them that keeps that negative talk, mm-hmm. that, you know, the, you know, the answer, automatic negative thoughts that just keep creeping in their head that keep them from taking that step or even going, like we were saying before, going to the mountain? Yeah, it's, it's, it's fear of failure. You know, I, I think a lot of it is fear of failure. And, you know, you have to, failure is not bad. You know, we tend to think of failure as bad, but failure is not bad. The only thing about failure that can be bad is if I fail to learn from my failure. See, if I learn from failure, it's a good thing. Uh, Most people fail more than they succeed, but they just don't stop. They learn from it and they move forward. It's a rare person that never fails. I don't know anybody that hasn't failed in, you know, multiple times successful people. If you don't try, you won't fail. <laughs> right. <laughs> but if you try, you're going to have some failure, but you don't let that stop you from moving forward. And I think that's a big part of it, is that people who tend to not be successful at whichever the endeavor is, and I don't measure success by money, I just measure success by obtaining, you know, getting things accomplished no matter what it is. People who don't, who fail, don't, don't fail, don't try. And that, I think that's the problem. Yeah, I think, you know, taking that first step is huge. Mm-hmm. And whether you marriage, working out, um, and then also correcting things. Because a lot of people will sit in a situation that they, they know is bad mm-hmm. and be like, well, I don't I don't know how to get out. And, and I remember I was taking military science class mm-hmm. and it was talking about the Buffalo Soldiers and how they were surrounded by Indians. And the, the military strategy was pick one point and focus all your all your forces, all your resources at one point to break the break out of it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't do that even in life. They'll feel like they're surrounded and they'll try to fight everything versus just take one point, go that direction, just to get out from, and then then you'll yeah. be able to see things a little bit better. I think again, it's the idea of it being so difficult, you know, because that's how they view it as being so difficult. And you get complacent, you know, um, sitting and fight, sitting in the same spot and fighting is easier than running and fighting. Yeah. You know, and and you get complacent. People get complacent in their marriages. They get complacent in their careers. They get complacent, you know, in, 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 in various things in their education. You can, you know, you can want a degree, but, but get complacent without having it. So just don't move forward. You know, well, you know, I am doing okay. So, but you still want the degree, and that, that complacency stops people from doing a lot of things that they they could do. Um, and and but again, you know, I go back to my original uh, original statement. Most of it is because they just keep looking at what it takes for the end, and right. rather than saying, hey. Even if you're focusing on a weak spot, you know, getting through is not the beginning. It's just finding the weak spot is the right, beginning. Right. And, and it's that step. And then let's 
you know, redirect our energy and now let's act on it and, you know, so forth and so on. Now, what's, what's one of the things that you wish um, people would stop doing or what you wish they would do more of in general? I think what people need to do um, is never feel like where they are is where they ought to end up. You know, I, I think that everyone should always take every day and try to be better. You should always try to be better and analyze what could I have done differently. And granted, uh, if you think that way, there are some sleepless nights because you're always, you know, analyzing your day before. Right. Uh, but when I was in high school, I was a junior in, in high school, and uh, an older, wiser fellow, he, he was a sophomore in college. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's what he said to me, He's, you know, basically. He asked us a question about, you know, where we were, what we were going through, you know, and the point we made to him was that we were the best we could ever be. He said, let me tell you, if you're the best you can be now, you won't be much in life. Mm. He said, every day you should ask yourself, what can I do to be better? And and, and that, that's how I began to live my life from that point on, because I, I feel like I can always improve no matter what I'm doing. And I think everyone should do that. And it's just a practical thing. And it, and it applies across the board. How, how can I be a better husband tomorrow? How can I be a better father tomorrow? How can I be a better employee tomorrow? How can I be a better employer tomorrow? I think people should stop being complacent in what they are and always try to be better. And if everyone tries to be better, the process is to remove the negative, remove one negative every day and add one positive every day. Yeah, if you win the day, if you win every day, the next day you know you won a year, 365. That, that's right. And you just, you, at the end, you're a better person. Right. And not only you, people around you are better because of you. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Daniels, for that um, great words of advice there and words of wisdom. Uh, you can find Dr. Daniels at Enoch Baptist Church in Virginia Beach. Please check him out as he's there every, almost every morning, except when he's on <laughs> every Sunday morning, um, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., bringing the word. And uh, please check out the uh, Enoch Baptist Church um, YouTube channel. And also, you can check us out on Facebook at uh, facebook.com forward slash Enoch Baptist Church. This is your old C.B. Baker. Till next time.